0: this morning. Aren't you thankful for Calvary? You can be seated this morning. Have a copy of God's Word. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 3 today, looking at some very familiar verses of Scripture. But I want to talk today on wise words for wise living in 2019. This is the first Sunday of a brand new year. 2018 is behind us. And I want 2019 to be a better year for us, individually and corporately as a church. So we're going to talk about wise words for wise living. As I said, this is the first Sunday of a new year. 2018 is gone. We can't change what has happened. We, we can't get any do-overs. It's behind us. And what has happened has happened And we're in 2019, and I'm thankful that God has gifted us a brand new year because it could be different. And some of you here today, you're ready to take on 2019 and put 2018 behind you, but there could be some here today that you're not looking forward to 2019 because if it's going to be anything like 2018, you don't want to go through another year like you've been. And that lies... The problem for us, we don't know what tomorrow holds. This could be one of the greatest years we've ever had, but it could also be one of the most difficult years you've ever had. And I don't say that to be a, a man of doom and gloom, but the reality is you could face more this year than you did in 2018. And some of you may be thinking, Pastor, if I have to go through more than what I've already gone through, then I don't know if I want to face it. The reality is we live our lives with a lot of uncertainties. The reality is this could be the best year of your life, but it could also be the worst year of your life. But as we sit here on the first Sunday of a new year, we don't know what's going to happen a week from now, six months from now, or even 12 months from now. In fact, before we reach this time next year, Jesus could come back and we all go to heaven. This could be the year. We don't know. But the question is raised that I want to try to answer this morning is how should I live my life in the uncertainty of the future not knowing what tomorrow is going to hold or next week or 6 months or 12 months how should I live my life not knowing what is to come and I believe the answer is simply this you need to live wisely we have to learn how to make better decisions we have to learn how to go to God and find out what God's purpose God's plan is and do what he wants us to do here's the thing you can't live 2019 in your own wisdom you need the wisdom of God and I believe as we go to His Word and pray and seek Him and, and, and just draw close to Him, God will reveal His Word to us, He'll reveal His will to us, and we can make better decisions to live the life that God wants us to live. So this morning, we're going to talk about wise words for wise living. I want to give you four admonitions that I believe will help you to live wisely in 2019. Number one, trust God completely. Trust God Completely. Let's look at verse 5 and verse 6 of Proverbs 3. These are familiar verses that we turn to often. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Since life is uncertain and we don't know what tomorrow holds, we have to trust God completely. The word trust means that we are to rely on God and have confidence in Him. Hear me today, the reason many of us live with worry, anxiety, and fear is because we aren't trusting God completely. In fact, it shows in our efforts of trying to fix everything we go through in life that we're not fully and completely trusting in God. As long as you're trying to work to put your life together, you're not leaning on God and trusting in Him. But if we're going to have one of the best years we can have and see God move in marvelous ways in our lives, we have to learn how to trust God completely. Hear me today. We're to live by faith and not what we see. We're to live based on what God God says in his word, we're to know his word and to know his promises and live our life by what God says is true. Let me ask you this morning, do you believe what God says is true? And if you believe that God honors his word and that God is not a man that he should lie, there should be no doubt whatsoever in our lives. There should be no moments of hesitancy in following God and following his will because God is trustworthy. God is faithful. In fact, the writer of Lamentations says that His mercies are new every morning and great is thy faithfulness. You can trust God today. You can trust Him with your family. You can trust Him with your health. You can trust Him with your finances. In every area of life, you can trust God. You see, we can't live on what we see and we can't live on how we feel. And uh, Here's the thing, your feelings change like the weather does in South Carolina. (laughs) Uh, You get all four seasons around here in one day. And that's how our feelings are. They're up and they're down and they're all over the place. But you can't go by how you feel. Because you can be on a high in the morning and be down in the valley in the afternoon. They change in a moment. But can I tell you who doesn't change? God. God is constant. God is the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What He has done, He can still do. You can't trust your sight. You can't trust your feelings. But you can trust God. But here's the question. How do we trust Him completely? How do we trust Him with all of our heart? Because the writer said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How do we do that? I believe He gives us the answer. He says, Do not lean on your own understanding. Do not lean on your own understanding, your own knowledge, your own insight. Don't lean on that. Now this doesn't mean that we turn our brains off and ignore our intelligence and common sense. But it cautions us to not not depend on our wisdom and experience or the wisdom and experience of others. Here's the thing, the Bible tells us to get understanding. Look at Proverbs 4 or 7. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, whatever you get, get insight, get understanding. The Bible wants us to have understanding. The Bible wants us to have knowledge. And so there's nothing wrong with reading and studying and learning. But here's the thing, to trust God completely, you can't lean on and rely on your understanding. You see, God works in mysterious ways. He works in ways that we don't understand. And here's the thing, what hinders us from fully trusting Him is that so many times we're trying to figure God out. Can I just say something to you? You're not supposed to live your life based on explanations, but on promises. You live your life based on the promises of God, based on what God has said right here. But we live in a world where we want to know why. We need to trust God and let Him deal with the why and the how. Amen? Don't lean on your own understanding. Listen to Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know what that says to me? God thinks and acts differently than we do. That means we can trust Him. You might not see a way out, but God knows how to get you out. And guess what? God doesn't have to come up with a solution. He already knows the solution. Nothing catches Him by surprise. Listen, nothing in 2018 caught God by surprise in your life. And nothing in 2019 will catch Him by surprise. He already knows that a year from now, December 2019, how everything's going to play out in your life. And you have to learn how to trust Him completely. Don't lean on your own understanding. But he also says here, in all your ways acknowledge Him. This literally means that we are to know Him. We're to know God and have a relationship with Him. The idea here is that not we just simply give a nod to God, but we become aware of Him and have fellowship with Him. Hear what I'm about to say today. You can trust God better when you get to know Him better. Let me say that again. You can trust Him better when you get to know Him better. You see, here's the thing. If you know someone intimately and you're close to them, you don't have to have contracts. A handshake's good enough in somebody's Word. Amen? Because you know them. You know their character. You know their integrity. You know that they do what they say they're going to do. Well, listen, if, 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 we're, if we're able to trust men who can give their Word to us, why should it be any different for God? Amen? He's given us His Word. And we could all testify here today that God has come through time and time again and proven Himself to be faithful. And so He says, Hey, you've got to trust in the Lord. Uh, Lean not on your own understanding, but you have to acknowledge God in all your ways. That means whenever you're faced with a situation, whenever you're going through circumstances that you don't understand, you need to learn to acknowledge God and get to know Him better. You see, when you understand who He is and what He can do, you will be able to trust Him. When you know that He is faithful, you can trust Him. When you know that He is all-powerful and omnipotent, you can trust Him. When you know that He cannot fail, you can trust Him. But if you never grow in your understanding and knowledge of God, you'll struggle with trusting Him completely. In other words, if you stay where you are spiritually right now and don't get any closer to Him, you'll struggle with trusting Him the rest of your life. Again, that's why we live in fear. That's why we live in worry. It's because we're not completely trusting in God. Here's the thing about life sometimes. You can't change what's taking place in your life. But if you trust God, God can change what's taking place in your life. Amen? So we try to work our fingers to the bone, sometimes trying to fix everything put it all back together hoping that somehow we can do something and here's the thing as long as you have your hands on it God just sits back and he watches but if you'll believe the Bible says all things are possible to him that believe And so here's the thing trust God as we go into this new year, I, I, I'm encouraging us. I'm encouraging myself that we trust. God that we take him at his word that if he says he answers prayer then pray if he says that he heals the sick then believe God for healing if if he says that he'll provide for every need that we have then believe him to provide for every need that you have but pastor you don't know what I'm going through you don't know the pain that I'm having to endure you don't know the brokenness of my heart listen I may not understand it completely because I've not walked in your shoes but here's the thing God knows where you are he knows what you're going through and if you will trust him God will move on your behalf. Here's the thing I've come to find out about God. That God doesn't respond to need. He responds to faith. And it don't take a lot of faith. Faith of a mustard seed can move the mountain. God just wants you to know and wants you to trust Him. See, when you trust God completely, He won't let you down. But He will direct you. He will guide you. And in fact, that, that's the, the, what he says here. When you trust Him completely, He will make straight your paths. The King James says He'll direct your paths. How many could use some direction? How many could use some guidance? Well, he says if you'll trust Him with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and acknowledge Him, He'll direct your paths. He'll make your path smooth. It's more than Him giving us guidance. It means that God removes the obstacles and He makes the path smooth and He makes the path straight. You see the idea of a smooth path or a straight path indicates the promise that you will get where you're supposed to be. Think about that. It doesn't matter if all the demons of hell come against you, but God but God has a plan and purpose for you, and if you trust him completely, God will make sure you get where you're supposed to go. No matter how many valleys you have to go through, how many difficult days you have to experience, if you'll trust God completely, he'll get you where you're supposed to be. Amen. You can trust Him. Amen? He will not let us down. But He'll make sure that everything works out as it should. That's what Romans 8.28 tells us, isn't it? We know that God works everything out for our good. But here's the second thing I want to give you. You have to humbly submit to God. Not only trust God completely... You have to humbly submit to God. In fact, these two are connected. These these go together. If you want to trust God completely, you have to humbly submit to Him. Look at verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. This admonition here, it carries the same idea as the previous verses. We are not to rely on ourselves, but on God. Here's the thing. If you're going to trust God more, you have to trust yourself less. Let me say that again. Write it down. If you're going to trust God more, you have to trust yourself less. That's why he says, be not wise in your own eyes. You see, when we're wise in our own eyes, we're leaning on ourselves rather than leaning on God. And then notice what he says. He says, you're to fear the Lord. Can I tell you the path to wisdom is the fear of the Lord? Having a reverence and a right perspective of Him? Listen to Job 28, 28. He said to man, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Proverbs 1.7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. To receive God's wisdom, we have to be humble enough to submit to Him. And so that raises the question, how do we practice humility? Where does humility come from? I, I believe it comes from a proper respect and reverence for God. When you know who He is and who you are, You'll fear Him. Reverence Him. I'm not talking about running around scared, hiding. But you'll respect God and you'll see Him as He truly is. And you'll understand who you are. You see, here's the thing that gets us in trouble sometimes. We act like we're God and we're not. He's God. We're not. We're to trust Him. And we're to submit to His plan. We're to submit to His will. Here's the thing. Some of what you've gone through this year, that's been God's will for your life. Are you telling me, Pastor, that my hurt, my pain's been a part of God's plan? Yes. Yes. You mean to tell me my sickness has been a part of God's plan? Yes. And that hurts us. That frustrates us. That God would allow something to come into our life when He could stop it. But here's the thing, God's got a greater plan and a greater purpose. And that's why you have to humbly submit to Him. Because here's the thing, I know God can heal, but God might not heal. And that's part of His plan. And I'm afraid that sometimes, I said this Wednesday night, sometimes we're trying to pray away things that God's trying to do something in our lives through. You're trying to pray, God, deliver me from the valley, but God said the valley's for you. I I know this ain't going to be amen preaching today, but here's the thing. Sometimes you're trying to pray to get out of the storm and God said, no, the storm's right where you need to be right now. Because here's the thing. Well, Pastor, I'm living for Him. I'm doing right. I'm serving Him. Why is all this happening? Because here's the thing. Sometimes serving God puts you right in the storm. And that's God's will. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to struggle. But sometimes when you follow God and God's leading you and God's directing you and God's working everything out in your life, He puts you in the crosshairs of the enemy. And you have to humbly submit saying, God, I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to allow you to work in my life because here's the thing, God can't really work through your life until He works in your life. I feel Him today. And I want to say that again that God can't really work through you until He's done something in you. And so sometimes storms come because God's got a greater purpose and God's trying to to break us and God's trying to get us to lean on Him. You see, here's the thing. The children of Israel could have gone into the wilderness had they simply trusted God and humbly submitted to Him. But because they couldn't learn how to believe Him and trust Him, 40 years they wandered round and round and round. And some of you voted here today thinking, "Preacher, I feel like I've been going round and round and round. Here's the thing. Submit to God and you might stop going round and round. You might find out that if you submit to God, you enter your promised land this year. Amen? But if you can't humbly submit to Him and fear Him and reverence Him and turn away from evil, round and round. Verse 8 gives us a promise of what to expect when our lives are submitted to God. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. He says that when we're not wise in our own eyes and when we fear God and turn away from evil, when we humbly submit to God, live a life submitted to Him, healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. I don't believe he's just referring to spiritual health here. I believe he's referring to physical health. In fact, one commentary said this, health naturally proceeds from the peaceful and well-ordered life that is submitted to God. You see, living a submitted life promises physical health. Here's what you need to understand today. Our spiritual health and our physical health, they are related. They are intimately connected. How well you're doing spiritually has an effect upon you physically. Physically. That means if you're not living in submission to God, living life your own way, living in rebellion and disobedience, you can expect physically to deal with suffering in your body. Read Psalm 51. And David talks about the hand of God being on him and how he felt crushed and under the weight of God, how he shriveled up physically. Why? Because he wasn't living life submitted to God. And it had a toll on his health. Well, the opposite is true that if you live to, to serve God and live to submit, in submission to God, it will have a positive effect on your body. Let me give you some scripture. Proverbs 4, verse 20 to 22. My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight, keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Let me give you a New Testament verse just to show you. 3 John 2. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Do you see that? That if everything's going well on the inside of you, if everything's going well in your soul, it can have an effect for the good on your body. In fact, what does Proverbs also tell us? A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. To the degree that we trust and therefore obey God, we will enjoy a healthy life. Let me ask you a very simple question. How is your soul today? How is your spiritual life? Are you living in the fear of the Lord? Are you living in humble submission to Him? Are you you living in obedience to God? Are you living every day of your life saying, God, I want to honor you and submit to you and do your will today. As, As much as you can do that, you'll see it affect you physically. Let's move on thirdly. You need to honor God with your treasure. I believe if you want to have a better year in 2019, you've got got to honor God with your treasure. Look at verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. The word translated honor, it means heavy. It means weighty. This means that when we give back to the Lord of what He has given to us, we can testify that He carries weight in our life. In other words, we're saying, God, you're first. God, you are a priority when we begin to honor God with our wealth. But here's the thing, the word wealth, it refers to more than just your money. It refers to all your stuff. It refers to all your possessions. And so it's not just referring to giving a tithe on Sunday morning or giving an offering. We're to honor God with all of our possessions and wealth. Here's the thing, everything we have comes from Him, and we should use all of it to honor Him. Everything we have comes from Him and we should use all of it to honor Him because here's how some people live. I'll give my 10% and the 90% is mine. No, uh, the 100% is God's and He loans it to you and you're to honor Him with it. You see, we're supposed to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. We're to give. I believe the Bible teaches that we should save. But we're to be wise in our finances. So I ask you today, are you being trustworthy with what God has entrusted to you? And again, there's a promise attached to this command that if we'll honor God with our wealth, look at what verse 10 says, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Listen, we like verse 10. Oh, everything's going to overflow in my life. But you can't get past verse 9 to honor God with your wealth. You honor God... And then your barns will be overflowing. How many would like for your barns to overflow? But you've got to honor God. Now let me just say this. I know that God is God. And he can bless whoever He wants to, whatever He wants to. But there is a connection between honoring God with our finances and seeing God pour blessing into our life. And here's the thing. If you can't be trusted with little, you'll never be entrusted with true riches. If you can be faithful with the little that you have, God can see I can trust Him with more. I believe that when we honor God financially, God rewards us. God blesses us. God prospers us. Look at the Scriptures, and we see that God blesses people who are generous and faithful. Proverbs 11, verse 24-25, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. That don't make sense, does it? One gives freely and he grows richer. How is that? How is it that I can give it away and yet more keeps coming in? That's how God does. But another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. Here's what I heard a pastor say one time. And I'll share it with you. I believe that what you make happen for somebody else, God can make happen for you. That if you'll be a blessing to somebody, God will pour blessing back into your life. In fact, Proverbs 19, 17 says this, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he, referring to God, God will repay him for his deed. Malachi 3, 10, Bring the full tithe to the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Second Corinthians 9 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work. I believe all of us here today would like to see the, the bountiful blessings of God come into our lives. But we've got to start with honoring God with our finances. Honoring God with our treasure. Honoring God with what He has entrusted to us. Here's what Matthew Henry said. Those that do good with what they have shall have more to shall have more to do more good with. Those that do good with what they have shall have more to do more good with. It's the law of... Sowing and reaping. You can't outgive God. But let's move on. Final thing. You have to accept God's correction. And I know this here isn't popular, but you have to accept God's correction. Look at verse 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of His reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom He loves as a father of the Son in whom He delights. As we go into this new year, I'm just going to tell you up front, there's going to be times that you stumble and times that you fall down along the way. That's just it. A righteous man falls seven times and he gets up. You're going to stumble you're not going to live perfect for 365 days of the year. In fact, I would say that probably from the January 1st to January 6th, we could probably all say, Preacher, I've done messed up. Amen? Amen? But here's the thing. Let me just say this. When we stumble, it doesn't mean that God's through with us. I grew up a lot of times hearing that, hey, if you sin and you mess up, that somehow just God kind of kicks you to the curb and he's done with you. But listen, here's the thing. God don't throw the clay away. Amen? He could if he wanted to. But God bought me. God bought you. God purchased you. And listen, you might have a blemish in the clay today, but God will put you back on the potter's wheel and God will begin to work the blemishes out of your life. God will bring correction. God will bring discipline. In those moments where we stumble and trip up along the way, God will bring discipline to us. And the writer of Proverbs says here, hey, don't despise God's discipline. That means don't treat it lightly. Don't don't treat it as though, hey, God's discipline is no big deal. It is a big deal. But he also says don't be weary of God's reproof. And that means we shouldn't resent God's rebuke and correction. We shouldn't get mad at God when He corrects us. The writer of Proverbs is saying here that we need to accept and submit to the chastening of the Lord. Now here's the thing for most of us. We think of discipline as punishment, but the idea here is training. God's trying to train you. God's trying to develop you. You see, discipline speaks of instruction through chastening. In other words, through the pain, God's trying to work out His purpose in your life. Through the pain, God's trying to do something greater in you. In fact, here's the thing, if we all be honest, we are who we are today because of the valleys and pain and suffering in our life. I've learned more about God and more about myself in times of suffering than I did in times of rejoicing. When we fail to trust God, there will be consequences. Often painful. But here's the thing. God allows pain to come in our lives to help us grow so that in all things He receives the honor and glory. Listen to John chapter 11 verse 4. It shows this very well. John chapter 11, it's the raising of Lazarus from the dead. It says, when Jesus heard it, He said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus gets word from Mary and Martha that the one you love, Lazarus, he's, he's sick. Jesus waits two days. And Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death but for the glory of God. This goes back to what I said earlier. Many times we're trying to pray for the storm to go away, pray for the valley to go away, pray for the trial to go away, but here's the thing, it's in the storm, in the valley, and in the trial that God's getting glory. A phrase I heard years ago that I just want to give you, stop cursing your crisis. Because your crisis is the very thing that God's trying to work through and in your life with. How do we respond to God's discipline? Don't let it bring you down. Don't be crushed by it. And said, you need to thank God for it and learn to trust Him more. One commentator said this. He said, everything that God allows to come into our lives is purposeful. We should not detest it or despise it. Neither should we shrink from it or give up under it. Rather, we should be concerned that God's purpose is achieved through the discipline and thus we reap the maximum profit from it. God's ultimate purpose in the disciplines of life is that we become partakers of His Holiness. Listen, God's discipline is proof of His love, not His anger. I want to tell you today that if you've ever had to be disciplined by God, it's not because He's angry with you. It's a sign of His love. It's a sign of the fact that, hey, you're still His. He disciplines because He wants what's best for us. But He always disciplines out of love. The Bible also tells us that correction is proof of sonship discipline and correction is proof that you belong to God. Listen to Hebrews 12, verse 6 through 8. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. If you're here today living your life as you jolly well please, living in disobedience and rebellion to God, saying, I'm going to live for myself, and you don't come under the discipline of God, here's what I've got to say to you. You need to get saved. Because you don't belong to it Because you can't walk in rebellion and disobedience and get away with it. You can't. And the Scripture bears that out. You can't get away with it. Listen, God's gracious, He's forgiving, He's merciful, and I'm not saying that you're going to be totally lost and and lose your salvation, but here's the thing, God will take you behind the woodshed, spiritually speaking, and He will deal with you as a son or a daughter. And if you don't have that, you're not a son, you're not a daughter. It's just plain, simple, right from the Word of God. Discipline proves relationship with God. Warren be said this, God chastens us not as a judge punishes a criminal, but as a parent disciplines a child. God's not treating you like a criminal, He's treating you like a child. If you belong to God, He will discipline you. And here's the thing, no matter how much the experience hurts, it will never harm you. Think about that. The discipline of God is not to hurt us, it's to help us. One last verse of Scripture, Hebrews 12, 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. How many ever heard that speech growing up? This hurts me more than it hurts you. Well, listen, we know that discipline is painful. We don't like it. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The fruit of the painful process of discipline is growth in godliness. The reason we go through painful experiences and have the discipline of God is because God's trying to make us more like Jesus. And how many would admit today that we've got some things in our life that God has to work out sometimes? And so He allows pain. So in closing, no one here today knows what the future holds. But I can confidently say that as a child of God, I know who holds the future. Amen. Amen. I don't know what's going to come my way tomorrow, but I know that tomorrow is under the control and sovereignty of God. And as long as God wants me on this earth, I'll be on this earth. And there's no demon or devil in hell that can stop what God wants to do in my life. Amen? And I'm not going to say here today that you're not going to have times of trouble or difficulty in 2019. Here's the thing. Life, sometimes it sucks. Life, sometimes it hurts. Life, sometimes is painful. There are storms, there's suffering, there's a the loss of loved ones, there's financial crisis, but through it all, I know God is in control. And I believe that if we'll do our best to live according to the wisdom of God's Word, we can see God do greater things in our life. In fact, I started to say this to you and I took it out of my notes, but here's the thing, I'm not promising a better life, but if you'll live by wisdom, you can be a better you. Amen? You can be better. You can change even if the circumstances don't change. Because here's the thing, if you'll learn to live wisely, even when the storms come, you'll still throw your hands up and say, God, you're good. Amen? That when all of hell begins to come against you, you can set out and say to God, God, I bless you. And God, I honor you. That's how you have to live life. Live wisely. Live humbly. And I believe you'll see God do things in your life like you never have before. Would you stand with me this morning? You can live what while-